the Johnny Appleseed of the ocean. That story and more on H2O Radio's weekly news report. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin, and it's This Week in Water. The mega drought in the Southwest could result in the Glen Canyon Dam on the Colorado River not being able to produce hydroelectric power. According to NASA, water levels in Lake Powell behind the dam were more than 150 feet below full, the lowest since 1969. The Bureau of Reclamation released new projections showing that in 2023, there's a 34% chance the reservoir will fall below what's necessary to turn turbines that generate electricity. The dam supplies power to nearly 6 million people in the West, from Nebraska to Nevada and Wyoming to Arizona. Gizmodo reports that there are a number of factors leading to the water crisis, including the over-allocation of the Colorado River, population growth, urban development, and climate change fueling the decades-long drought. World leaders gathered for the annual UN General Assembly, and last week the calls for unity on climate action were emphatic. Secretary General Antonio Guterres said there needs to be a sense of urgency ahead of the UN COP26 climate summit, which is just weeks away. Calling it a code red for humanity, Guterres pushed for progress to be made on keeping global temperature rise to the 1.5 degrees Celsius target. He also implored wealthier nations to deliver promised financial aid to help developing countries in their adaptation and resilience efforts, especially as they compete for dwindling resources such as water and arable land. His fiery remarks warned that the world is on the edge of an abyss and moving in the wrong direction. Indeed, many countries are falling short on their Paris commitments. A UN report released last week showed that emissions are rising, not falling. There were promising announcements, however. President Joe Biden pledged that the U.S. would double funds to help developing nations deal with climate change, and Chinese leader Xi Jinping said his country would not build any new coal-fired power projects abroad. And there was even more hopeful news ahead of the upcoming climate conference. The U.S. and European Union launched the Global Methane Pledge to reduce emissions from the highly potent greenhouse gas by 30 percent within the decade. If fulfilled, the promise could deliver rapid results and give the world a fighting chance to stave off the worst impacts of climate change. The pledge covers all methane sources, including oil and gas, coal, agriculture, and waste management. It's been about a month since Hurricane Ida made landfall in Louisiana. The storm left a problem that is haunting some communities, caskets with the remains of loved ones were washed away from their resting places. In Ironton, a small community south of New Orleans, 10 feet of water washed over levees, resulting in dozens of caskets and tombs ending up in people's yards or underneath houses with the remains of somebody's visible in broken coffins. Louisiana has a cemetery response task force, and they were in Ironton last week to recover caskets and tombs and take them to a staging area where they could be identified. Many graves in South Louisiana are above ground because the area is below sea level in places, and digging a hole would fill it with water. After Hurricane Katrina in 2006, Louisiana passed a law requiring caskets to have a permanent identification so remains can be returned to their proper resting place. 
And finally, they call him the Johnny Appleseed of the ocean. Marine biologist Robert Orth has led a 20-year effort to reestablish some 9,000 acres of eelgrass meadow off the coast of Virginia, the largest seagrass restoration project in the world. Seagrass meadows provide a vital habitat for a variety of marine life, improve water quality, and protect shorelines from erosion. But in the 1930s, disease wiped out huge swaths of eelgrass along the eastern seaboard. For decades, scientists believed the plants couldn't be regrown, but in 1990, small patches of them were found off the Virginia coast. The discovery led Orth to start a series of experiments. He dug up some of the seagrass and transplanted them to barren places, and they survived. But he wanted to cover a wider area, so in 2001, he enlisted fellow scientists to help him scatter seagrass seeds from boats. To date, the team has sown nearly 75 million seeds, and in some locations, it's allowed bay scallops to be reintroduced for the first time in nearly a century. Orth has called seagrasses the ugly duckling of coastal ecosystem conservation when compared to charismatic coral reefs, but their value for combating climate change is being recognized. Seagrasses can capture carbon from the atmosphere up to 30 times faster than tropical rainforests. Dr. Orff's contributions are also being recognized. This month, the recently retired professor at William & Mary's Virginia Institute of Marine Science was honored with a Lifetime Achievement Award. That's it for this week in water. See you next time.